Hello and welcome to the Eco Business Podcast. I'm Robin Hicks, Deputy Editor of Eco Business. On today's show, we're going to talk about what is probably the world's most underrated environmental problem air pollution. Usually invisible, air pollution only tends to make headlines when it's really bad, and yet it kills seven times more people every year than have died so far from COVID 19. It even kills more people than smoking. Why does air pollution struggle to capture the imagination of newspaper editors, policymakers, and the general public, particularly now as several studies have linked poor air quality to a greater chance of contracting COVID-19 and a greater risk of serious illness and death? It's probably because air pollution has been normalised, particularly in Asia where smog is part of daily life, as common as snarling traffic jams. And yet the causes of air pollution, such as burning fossil fuels, car exhaust and wildfires, deserve more airtime in the media because they also contribute to a looming problem that will kill many more people than 7 million a year, climate change. To talk about this on today's show, we welcome Dr. Vivian Poon, an air pollution epidemiologist with Vital Strategies, a non-profit that campaigns for better public health. Welcome to the podcast, Vivian. Thank you for having me, Robin. Great to have you. So there have been a few studies about the impact of the pandemic on air pollution. Um, Some have argued that it has reduced air pollution quite a lot. um, And others, in fact, have been surprised at how little air pollution has improved, given the global economy is pretty much ground to a halt. Um, Vivian, first question for you, what do you make of the impact of COVID on air pollution? So there are two things we learned from the COVID pandemic lockdown. First, it creates a natural experiment to understand air quality. A natural experiment meaning an event that's not um, happening in the control of a researcher. So the lockdown around the world show us that achieving cleaner air in the short term is possible. We see a similar example of a temporary improvement in air quality um, in the 2008 Beijing Olympics. However, the improvements in air quality are likely to be reversible after the lockdown because those temporary drastic lockdown measures came with a huge economic and social cost and they are definitely not really sustainable. So why we don't see a more uniform decrease in air pollution across the board when we see the economy goes to a halt, like you said? Well, it is really because of the various improvement in air quality or lack thereof is due to the uneven impact of lockdowns on emission sources. In Jakarta, for example, the Jakarta air quality level is four to five times the World Health Organization health-based air quality guideline for acceptable level. And air pollution is the third leading cause of death for children under five over there. And there have been reports of blue skies in Jakarta. And we at Vital Strategy work with the Jakarta Environmental Agency to compare the air quality data this year during the lockdown with data from last year. And what we found is that there is an even improvement in air quality across the city. Pollution level from cert- for certain air pollutants, for example, nitrogen dioxide, a primary pollutant emitted from motor vehicles, are more consistently improved because traffic was down by 60%. However, we see a much smaller and irregular improvement in the level of other um, air pollutants. For example, the fine particulate matter, the pollutants that pose the greatest harm to human health, 
we don't see that improvement as dramatic, and sometimes even uh, we see a worse pollution level uh, for PM 2.5 this year than last year. Same thing with pollution level for sulfur dioxide, uh, which is usually indicator of industrial emissions. We see actually from two U.S. embassy monitors in Jakarta that pollution level is actually much higher this year than last year. So what this phenomenon shows is that not all air pollutions are locally produced and that not all of them are com come from the visible sources like traffic. So city need to really identify what are the leading source of air pollutions coming from inside and also outside of the city and address them with effective control measure in order to improve air quality as a whole. Um, interesting. Yeah, you mentioned sources of air pollution, and we'll get to that again um, a bit later on, Vivian. Now, it's been suggested that the more polluted a city is, the easier it is to contract COVID-19. I've seen a few studies about this. What's your view of that assessment? So I'm also very aware of those studies. I've been following them, and then many of them are reported in uh, the media report. What uh, we at Vital Strategy can say is that at this point, scientists haven't established a direct link between air pollution and COVID-19, and more epidemiologic studies are still needed to understand the association. However, there are suggestive uh, evidence that shows long-term exposure to air pollution make people more susceptible to getting sick or even dying from COVID-19. And the reason for this is that air pollution caused nearly 5 million deaths each year from non-communicable disease such as the heart disease, lung disease, cancer, and diabetes, possibly through the pollution impact on our immune system. And these are the diseases with this, um, the same underlying these conditions and pre-existing conditions that make people more likely to experience uh, severe illnesses and or deaths from COVID-19. So because of this shared path, uh, pathway, improving air quality would likewise improve heart and lung health and reduce our susceptibility to the severe impact of COVID-19 and potentially to other infectious disease. So hopefully with more, future in the, um, more research in the future, and which we will, we will be able to understand better the association between COVID-19 and air pollution. Indeed. So I've got to ask, Vivian, so... As an air pollution expert, as an epidemiologist, what sort of protection have you been um, wearing um, during the pandemic? I've been wearing uh, the reusable mask issued by the Singapore government. And I also uh, try to make some matching cloth masks for my children <laughs> to encourage them to wear masks. Masks are so important and essential during the pandemic because they protect others from the wearers if I'm sick or if I get infected but did not know it. So they really protect, um, the, prevent the droplets and the pathogens from expelling during uh, respiration. There are certain masks that may also uh, offer some degree of protection to the wearers to prevent the, the droplets, pathogens, or even pollutants from getting into the mask and being inhaled. But during this uh, pandemic, mass is a form of source control because we are the source, we carry the virus. So it's source of control to keep the virus from spreading. Um, some people would draw the parallel out uh, between wearing masks during the pandemic and wearing masks during an air pollution episode. Um, the source of air pollution actually is not our person per se, but vehicles, motor vehicle, power plants, 
burning of waste, um, forest, dust, etc., or the household burning of solid fuel. In that case, masks can only do so much. They only reduce your exposure to pollution over a short period of time. In the long run, we need a more sustainable solution to focus um, on reducing the emission source of air pollution, wherever that is in your area. Yeah, and I also think it just occurred to me that masks are also a strong visual cue to right. remind people that we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? Which is Absolutely. why it's important that political leaders wear masks. There's been a lot of debate about that, you know, when yes. political leaders appear on television that they wear masks mm -hmm. to impress the importance of uh, mask wearing to to the wider population, right? Um, Absolutely. I want to just touch on lockdowns. So, so lockdowns have revealed the speed with which um, air quality can be improved with less traffic and industrial activity. Um, but the economic stimulus packages we've seen, particularly here in Asia, um, Vivian, have barely mentioned measures that would affect air quality, right? So they haven't touched on uh, the energy transition or a lessening of reliance on fossil fuels, for example. Um, what's your sense on how seriously air pollution is taken as a public health issue currently in Asia? I agree with you, Robin, that it is absolutely critical that air pollution is being taken as public health uh, issues, given that it is the most important environmental risk factor globally, causing nearly millions of death, early deaths each year and potentially very much contributing to the increased vulnerability to COVID-19 and other infectious disease. And elevating air pollution as a public health issue is something we at Vital Strategies work with governments on. Jakarta is a good example of how air pollution has made it onto the public health agenda. Last week, Jakarta provincial government, Bloomberg Philanthropy and Vital Strategies announced a two-year Jakarta Clean Air Partnership to focus on air quality management, policy solutions, and communicating this health issue to the public. Even the governor and NIST mentioned during the press conference of the launch the importance of solving air pollution in the world of COVID-19 pandemic. So it was very encouraging to see the governor and other um, local um, environmental agencies acknowledging this and commit to improve air quality in the city. While this is a small step, I think this is also a very important time for government around the world to promote a sustainable and healthy new normal as opposed to business as usual. Because as the city restarts their economies without changing our old ways of life, we'll expect air pollution will not only return to an acceptable high level, but deteriorate over time with resumption of economic activity, which could very much lead to an increased COVID susceptibility. So, but what if we adopt a more sustainable new normal by identifying the sources of air pollution in the area and introducing evidence-based policy to control their emissions? What we'll see is that traffic, yeah, will return, but we have cleaner fuels on the road to reduce pollution, or we have more people using integrated mass public transport system. Factory may restart, but we have with cleaner source of electricity, renewable source, that they will not result in choking air pollution uh, emissions. So it is most important that the government should not and uh, choose between uh, 
air pollution, uh, improving air quality uh, versus economic growth. COVID-19 crisis is not an excuse to roll back environmental regulations. In fact, those regulations have been shown to overwhelmingly cost, be cost effective when we're taking into account the health, environment, and other societal costs of air, water, and climate pollutant. So we must continue to push forward for a more sustainable way of life and use evidence-based um, to, for our clean air agenda and decision-making. Indeed. Now, you mentioned, Vivian, um, Jakarta. I mean, Jakarta um, is such a wonderful city that is yeah. blighted by air pollution, right? I mean, at the Asian Games, which is a year or two ago, you know, athletes were being sick um, because, and that was attributed to, to air pollution. You know, Jakarta's recently overtaken Beijing as, as one of the world's most polluted cities. Um, I want to ask you a question about um, source attribution, which you just mentioned then. Mm -hmm. um, there's often disagreements over who's to blame for air pollution. Um, in uh, governments in countries like India tend to like to blame middle class car drivers rather than coal-fired power plants for air pollution. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what's the latest thinking on air pollution source attribution? How can we tell where air pollution comes from? Yeah, so it is a very uh, good question that I think every city should think about where did the pollution source come from. It is not easy for a city or country uh, in the low to middle income area to have the technical capacity to collect and make sense of those information. And we do see a lot of the time with no limited uh, data uh, on the source of air pollution. It is really easy to point to things um, right in front of you, the car, the, the local business around the corner for the, the, as the culprit in that, but in fact, they are not the leading source. Um, we see in our perception study as well, so one of them is also conducted in India, that we found also the disconnect of what people think are the leading source or the, what, what government thinks are the leading source versus what's actually polluting the air. Um, so, um, so that being said, it is not really costly to do good research and sound research. And then what we did in Jakarta, which we published this report, uh, source apportionment report uh, last week, where we collect future samples on fine particulate matter, PM2.5, in three locations in Jakarta, in both the wet and dry seasons. And we analyze their chemical contents and estimate the relative contribution of emission sources to our samples. What we found is that um, vehicles account for about half of particulate uh, pollution in the city, which means that there are other sources that are contribute significantly to the city pollution that we need to identify. And what we see from the report last week is that of all the non-vehicular sources to air pollution, coal combustion contributed most. Uh, is the, the leading uh, non-vehicular source, uh, primary source of pollution in Jakarta. What's interesting about that is that 80% of the cold consumption in Indonesia was uh, consumed by a power plant, but there's no coal-fired power plant within the Jakarta city boundary. But there are eight cluster of coal-fired power plant units within 100 kilometers of Jakarta and more will be built in the next coming years. So what that means is that their contributions to the pollution level in Jakarta will increase over time. 
So this gives us a really solid evidence of which type of sources that the government should tackle and control in order to effectively reduce air pollution. So the bottom line is that there are a lot of kind of existing um, innovation in source assessment uh, tools available for cities to rapidly identify their leading sources of pollution and pinpoint the set the priority for a really near-term control. And what uh, a changing win for us as well is a, a huge win for Jakarta government last week as they acknowledge also that um, the source not only come from within Jakarta, but also regionally. And then they are really open to start the discussion with their neighborhood city to kind of really think about how can we control the pollution, reduce the emissions, and then to achieve a cleaner air as a whole. Yeah, that's fascinating, um, particularly what you've said about coal. Now, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jakarta holds the world record for having the most coal-fired power plants built close to it. Um, close which to is it, you, yes. Yeah, close to it. So not within the city boundaries, but within 100 kilometres, which is in a region, I think, called Banten. And mm -hmm. as you correctly pointed out, there are more coal plants in the pipeline. Um, interestingly, there, there's a story... I think, yeah, around the after the Asian Games, in fact, that where politicians said, Indonesian politicians said that there's no way that air pollution can travel that far from a coal plant um, to the city of Jakarta. Now, the research that you've just described certainly makes the case that that's untrue, that air pollution can actually travel long distances, right? Yes. Um, mm -hmm. and, and also on uh, another point about Jakarta is the haze. Obviously, Indonesia is a source of uh, transboundary uh, haze pollution most years, although not this year. Um, but, but it seems that Jakarta doesn't often, from your data, um, contain that, that haze pollution um, as well. Is that, is that the case? Yes, from the, the research that we conducted, um, yes, we don't see um, uh, the haste or the indicator or source indicators that uh, point to uh, forest fires nearby. It. Yeah, but we do. What we found is actually there are a lot of kind of open burning of biomass, um, and then what we see in in the urban city like Jakarta is that there are regulations to, to ban. The, the burning of waste in the city or even in the, in the other neighborhood city. But there's, uh, we, we see those burnings uh, still happening. So this is really points to like a another type of kind of like burning of biomass um, that's, uh, that's quite prevalent in urban city like Jakarta that we need to kind of remind the politicians and, and policymaker that, hey, even though, if you, even though you have a regulation, it may not be properly enforced. So that is something that they need to consider kind of like uh, upscaling their enforcement program and also make sure that they have a comprehensive solid waste treatment plan uh, to kind of collect the waste so that it will not uh, to reduce those um, open burnings uh, in the future. Yeah, absolutely. That's an interesting point. A friend who lives in Jakarta says that when the pollution is particularly bad, he can smell um, burning waste. So that's mm -hmm. clearly um, one of the causes of Jakarta's bad air pollution. Um, mm -hmm. Now, another question I want to ask you, Vivian, is about the media. Um, a big problem with air pollution, it seems to me, that it is poorly covered um, by the world's media. Um, particularly when you consider how much impact it has on human health. Why do you think it is that air pollution doesn't make the headlines as often as perhaps it should? 
Well, because there are a lot of distractions uh, or headlines that are competing for our attention. Some of the headlines are more urgent, like the COVID-19 pandemic, while other headlines are more tailored to our personal needs, for example, at the moment. For example, like what type of staycation package that people are interested or how to spend that $100 tourism vouchers the government, Singapore government give us. Um, we at Vital Strategy have conducted several audience perception studies and we found at least three specific reasons why air pollution doesn't make headline as much. The first one is that the conversation around air pollution tend to be seasonal, that people think about air pollution when there's a drastic change in the air. When people see the haze or in the example of the lockdown, when we do see a blue sky for a change in a polluted city. So because air pollution is mostly invisible, even at the level, pollution level exceeds the World Health Organization's um, air quality guidelines, people hardly think of that. The out of sight, out of mind mindset. The second uh, reason is that people only focus on daily average of air quality or what usually government will communicate in the air quality index. So people may fixate it on seeing the green color on the air quality index, or as long as it is not red or black, then we're fine. However, in reality, air quality index is just a communication tool to inform the public how polluted the city currently is. It does not convey any information on the health impact for long-term exposure. And air quality index destination varies by country. A green air quality index in Jakarta is not the same as the air a green air quality index in Japan or in Singapore. So it is really misleading to people to think that the air is clean when they see a green air quality index when it is actually not. So we should really focus on the risk of more serious health effects like the chronic illness and death caused by long-term exposure of air pollution. And the government actually should communicate more on the annual or even uh, a monthly means uh, and trends of air quality to track the progress of the pollution and air quality level in the city. And the last reason uh, that why uh, air pollution does not make headlines is there's the disconnect between the reality of air pollution and the public and media discourse. People only focus, most, most of the time, they focus on the wrong source, like we alluded earlier, that they only look at the source that's right in front of them. So the policy solutions are usually, and unfortunately, not effectively targeted. The Jakarta example is a very good one that we show that traffic is down by 60% in the city. So ideally, we should see clean air, but it is not. And it's because of the sources um, that we don't see right in front of us or even outside of the city. So there's a huge, really important need to educate people and also the media more on what are the correct source of air pollution, what are the health impact of long-term exposure to air pollution, because that will really lead to more meaningful policy discussions. One of the things you mentioned there, Vivian, was the different metrics and different standards that mm -hmm. um, various countries around the region use to measure air pollution, which as a journalist makes it tricky to report on, right? Often you're not comparing um, apples with apples when, when we write about air pollution. Um, now, a final question I wanted to ask you, Vivian, looks to the future. I want to ask you, given current trends of air pollution in this region, in Asia Pacific, what does the future look like for air quality? And what, in your view, can be done to improve it? 
Well, there's a lot of things. I think uh, the momentum in this region to tackle air pollution is really good. I think we see the case in Jakarta as well as a lot of other um, um, Southeast Asia countries as well. What vital strategy here, and we recently uh, provide a document uh, to kind of really help um, cities like uh, Jakarta and other regional cities to um, learn about how to use data for de to develop and prioritize near-term actions while they are working on kind of building a more sustainable infrastructure to sustain uh, long-term uh, progress in clean air. A lot of the difficulty that we encounter with the, the city in Jakarta and, and also other cities is that how. The four areas include air quality monitoring, how to assess emission sources, how to expand and then use data with um, different platform or different agency. And last but not least, I think it's quite important is to how to collaborate with other agency, NGO, civil society, academia to kind of work together. Because I think uh, the, the sense we get from a lot of city government is that, oh, I cannot do all those things. Uh, but then they don't have to. I think that's the message that we send across uh, loud and clear with Jakarta government that uh, they uh, we can collaborate um, and then together we can promote a must, much faster clean air progress. So um, definitely the progress of cleaner air in, in this region is definitely there and then really hopeful. I mean, some of the trends though that I'm looking at uh, air pollution in some cities is definitely getting worse. And with climate mm -hmm. change, as global temperatures warm, um, that makes uh, air pollution, some types of air pollution, even worse. So, But, but what you're saying is that um, there's momentum in terms of policymakers in these cities, in these countries, um, taking air pollution more seriously as a topic, right? Absolutely. So another example is Thailand. Actually, it's in our report and also when we communicate uh, the different city progress. Thailand is a good example that they have a really good early um, uh, progress make in controlling vehicular ex uh, emissions. So starting in early uh, 2000s, that they have implemented a whole host of comprehensive uh, vehicular controlled um, uh, programs to tackle to not only to the, cl uh, the clean fuel, the car and the infrastructure, so initially, the air pollution reduced tremendously, but then unfortunately, the pollution level kind of like linger in the recent years. And then one, and a lot of people are asking why, why they're not further reductions. That, that really points to the need to look at other source, right? Even though you only control one source, the importance of other source will come up and then maybe sometimes surpassed. And then you, when you're not looking, then they will already kind of like, they will like fall off the crack. And so that's why in order to sustain a more like long-term reduction in pollution, we need to look at all the sources. All right, good stuff. Thanks so much, Vivian. So while it may seem like an unsurmountable problem, there is lots that can be done to tackle air pollution in this part of the world. Um, Vivian Poon, thank you so much for joining the Eco Business Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast was hosted by EcoBusiness, Asia's leading media company serving the region's sustainability community. Join the conversation by visiting eco-business.com, follow us on social media or subscribe to our newsletter. Thanks for listening.